Hey, I had to pop in and let you know about something that I am truly loving these days. If you've been around here for a while, then you probably know that at the end of every episode, we love asking our guests what they're loving, but I rarely get to share with you what I'm loving, so here's my opportunity. Guys, I am completely obsessed with the FabFitFun box. If you've never heard about this or you have no clue what I'm talking about, let me fill you in. Basically, FabFitFun curates a box full of goodies every single season. This has stuff like skincare, beauty products, accessories, home decor, athletic and workout gear. I mean, they seriously think of it all. So here's how it works. You can become a member and just for $49.99 each season, you'll get a box filled with eight to 10 full-sized premium products valued at over $200. You can also make sure that your box is custom to you. So each season you can choose some products and add-ons that you want inside your box, or you can just keep it a surprise. You'll get the box in the mail and you can indulge in the best in beauty, fitness, wellness, home, and everything in between, like I've mentioned. It's like Christmas all year round. If you're listening to this and thinking, heck yes, how do I get my hands on a box? We have put the link for you to snag your own in today's show notes or in the description below. Click on that link and fill out some information for you to get your hands on your very own FabFitFun box this season. Welcome to the Behind the Bliss Podcast, where Rachel Autry brings weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Welcome to the year of 2020. It's a whole new decade. This is our first episode of 2020, so I am stoked for that. If you're listening to this after the fact, then you've been in 2020 for a while, but I'm going to re-welcome you into this year. With a new year, obviously, comes tons of changes, ideas for growth, resolutions, and all of that jazz. And so today's guest is going to speak to that, what it's like in that refinement season to be sanctified, to be set apart. All these big words that we throw around a lot sometimes in Christian culture, but she tackles exactly what they mean and how we can see them play out in our everyday life. Ruth Jo Simons is the girl for this episode. Her recent book, Beholding and Becoming, The Art of Everyday Worship, is probably the most beautiful book out on the shelves now, I kid you not. It sits on our coffee table, and I often find myself going to it when I'm waiting for the oven to preheat, if we're waiting for guests to arrive, or if I just have some slow moments in the day where I want to seek out some truth. We chat all about this book, what beholding and becoming and worship, and like I said, all these fancy words mean, and how she as a mama of six boys had the time to write and illustrate this entire book. You might recognize Ruth from the online blog, Grace Laced, where she wrote about her life and truth that went along with it to share with the rest of us. This best-selling author has a lot to share with us today. I left recording this episode feeling so uplifted, so excited to march forward with what I've been called to do, and I made a friend in Ruth along the way. Hey, Ruth, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Rachel. It's great to be here. I know. This is so fun. I've been able to have your book on my coffee table and in my hands for a while and have followed you around as Grace Laced and all the things for a while. So it's so fun to finally sit down, have a conversation with what I feel like is an old friend, but hello, hi, I'm a new, I'm oh, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> this is it. like the most fun part about having 
a podcast is being able to meet people who, like we were talking before we even started recording, share the same vision. And I feel like we're very parallel and aligned in our yeah. hearts behind what we do publicly. And so today right. I'm just so pumped to just go for it and talk all about what God's doing in our life the ways that you were able to capture it in your new book, Beholding and Becoming, and um, really kind of just some behind the scenes of what's going on with Ruth Jo Simon. So I am going to okay. go for it. I'm just going to start asking you questions that I'm curious about yeah. personally. I'm sure we'll finally get to something good. What? Okay. For someone who might not know who you are and what you've been up to, can you give us a little snippet of who you are and what you've been up to in life? Sure, sure. I am... Um a 44-year-old mama to six um, young boys. My oldest is 17. My youngest is six. Um, and I've been married to Troy, my husband of 21 years. And prior to this season where you see me publicly speak at, around the country or publish books or run a business um, all through a website called gracelace.com, prior to this season, um, Troy was a full-time headmaster of a classical Christian school we had founded, um, as well as a teaching pastor of a church plant that we had um, church planted. And so, as you can imagine, the previous two decades of my life were seasons where I was raising babies, I was counseling during nap times, I was... um, homemaking and doing a lot of things behind the scenes. And so that was a season of my life where I wasn't necessarily the one who was on the stage Mm -hmm. producing the content. I was really supporting my husband in that season. And um, through a series of lots of events that I could not have orchestrated myself, um, we find ourselves now at a time where um, we are receiving from the Lord that this is what he's given us in this current season where we are full-time with Grace Laced. Um, We run the business with a very small but mighty team of women around the country. Um, We're all remote and um, raising our boys together and currently homeschooling them as well. And lest you think that I do it all, Troy is the educator of the family. And so he <laughs> has given of his time. I honestly tell the boys all the time. I'm like, do you guys realize what a privilege it is that your dad yeah. chose to give up this season of his life where he really could have taken on another full-time job or taken and pursued another new career in the season of life. He chose to be the one to disciple you all because he really believes in education as discipleship um, in part because he is investing Mm -hmm. in these boys, but in part to make it possible for my ministry and my business to thrive as well as we do this together. So it has been a really beautiful um, multi-decade version of us doing the same thing we've always done together, but at times he's taken center stage. And right now what you see is me taking the stage, even though really um, we're doing it together. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so funny too, because your six boys probably don't know that's not normal, but to them it's so normal. So having to understand and, and kind of explain like, this is such a privilege. This is so cool. Must be interesting. Cause I also don't think that you 20 years ago would ever have imagined life looking like it does now. I mean, maybe I'm assuming. Right. So, you know, it did not look this way 20 years ago. And I think that if I could go back and tell my um, young 20-some-year-old self, and hopefully we've got some ladies in that season of life listening in today, Mm -hmm. that 
I think sometimes you think that you need to see all your giftings used all at the same time. You need all your dreams to come true all at the same time. And you kind of think that if you don't have all those decisions made, and if you haven't started sometime by your 30s, you're behind. And I think that sometimes that happens because of um, what we see on social media and what we see when we're easily comparing ourselves with others. It's just really easy to think that everybody else has pursued their lives to their fullest potential way easier or faster or without hindrances. And we think that just because God hasn't given us everything we think we really could um, use for his glory, if we think that if he hasn't given us those opportunities now, that he won't somehow later. And I'm a mm. testament to the fact that if you stay faithful right where you are, um, he rules that story and someday he can bring that back around. And so I don't feel like I'm coming in late. I'm coming in right on time. That's so good. Oh, that is exactly what I think a lot of us need to hear. Like you said, I think just with social media, I use that. I'm just going to be transparent. I use social media as a barometer mm-hmm. more than I do. I guess I should say I almost use it as an, as a measuring stick of am I measuring up? Am I on time? Am I on cue? Am I missing it? And I think that instead of using social media as our barometer, it's so important that we cling to the word of God first and foremost as that truth to be like, no, my my life, my destination, my journey is going to look absolutely completely different and praise God for that. Because I think if it looked the same, life would be so boring and then it would give us the, the I don't know, the grip that we could have on the comparison. Because if, if we had the same destination and way we were getting there as someone else, then I think the comparison would be even more crippling mm-hmm. than the fact that I can let myself go and be like, I have something for Rachel no one else can accomplish. So the fact that I'm comparing myself to somebody else who has a different mission isn't fair. I can talk myself out of it. So I love that. I'm taking that as some freedom for myself. I'm clinging to what you just said, but I can imagine some other listeners are too, for sure. And what I love about this book that you now are working on or that, I mean, I'm sure you've worked on for a while now. It just finally like hit the shelves and is something that people can hold in their hands and, and claim for their own. It's called Beholding and Becoming, which I think is such a beautiful title because it makes you stop and ponder rather than just quickly grab it. Do you mind just kind of going into what Beholding and Becoming means for someone that might, it might take a second to process? Yeah, I think it's great that we started this conversation about what past seasons might look like or what growing might look like. Um, Beholding Becoming the Art of Everyday Worship really was a culmination. It was a book in response to me working and living and creating in an environment like social media, like what we have currently online, all the opportunities. I mean, Rachel, the opportunities are amazing um, for women right now. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that I'm a stay-at-home mom with entrepreneurial opportunities, that I can run a full-time business from my cell phone, from my laptop, Praise God for these amazing opportunities that when I paint, somebody else can see the work. However, I think what has happened in part is that because the easy access we have with our cell phones through Pinterest, through Instagram, through Facebook, whatever it is that we're using, it it gives us so much to look at. And we're constantly looking and looking. And like you said, and I thought it was so brave of you and so honest and genuine of you, Rachel, to say, 
sometimes I use it as a barometer, so much of what we've been given to look at ends up being the thing that we set our gaze on, that we fixate on, that we think, well, that's the goal, or that's the living room that I need to construct mine after, or that's the marriage that mine needs to look like. And sometimes they're really good things. It's not that we are saying that it's a bad thing to want to aspire or to have role models, any of that. But the reality is what we fixate on, or the way I like to say it based on what other people have said, you know, centuries before me is what we behold is what we become. We become what we behold, which is the foundation of this book in that ultimately where you set your gaze and what you look at every single day of your life, what you spend your time beholding is where your heart's going to get turned to, is what you're going to chase after, is what you're going to give your worship to. And we think of these words. So give me a moment to just say, you know, beholding and the word worship, these are words that we may not use every day. I mean, I don't say, Rachel, did you behold my Instagram post this morning? You know, (laughs) we don't talk quite like that, right? Or I don't say, Rachel, how is it that you are worshiping today? Where are you worshiping in your everyday life? You might have a friend or two that you can talk like that with, but most of the time we don't talk about it like that. So we think that we're not doing those things, but beholding is truly using more than our eyes. It's using our eyes and yet bringing our affections, our esteeming, our great um, awe and wonder to what we are seeing. And so if you are holding in your hand um, your social media account and spending hours upon hours studying, engaging, longing after what you're seeing on Pinterest or on Instagram or through somebody else's life, wanting somebody else's relationship with their spouse, wanting somebody else's obedient children, wanting somebody else's career um, trajectory. Do you see how gazing on those things mm-hmm. will actually cause your heart to worship? And again, we think we're not worshiping, but worship is really just to esteem or give all our love and attention and our highest praise and um, and our and everything that's worthy we're giving to that thing. And we're meant to worship and esteem God. We're we're, we're made to yeah. put all our hope and all our satisfaction in Him. But because of sin, we're pretty easily distracted from him who is worthy and putting our gaze and our attention and our love on all these lesser things. We can call them idols. We don't like to call them that because we want to be like, well, we don't, I don't have any idols in my life. I'm not worshiping idols. But the reality Mm -hmm. is we are so quick to give our time, our energy, our longing hearts after even things that might look good. And sometimes they're not things. Maybe it's not a new bedroom, you know, um, duvet set. Maybe it's not um, a goal career-wise. Maybe it's not losing 10 pounds. Maybe it's something like you're giving your heart's attention to wanting your reputation a certain way or desiring that other people notice you or speak highly of you. Um, they're not always tangible, physical things. They're sometimes things that you spend all your energy day by day gazing at what it is that you long for because you've put your hope in somebody other than Christ. So good. What you're saying about the idols, I feel like has been spoken so clearly to me recently. 
of it's not – I mean, if someone said, Rachel, do you have idols? I'd say there is no golden calf in my household. Absolutely not. But in reality, like if I think about the idols that I have in my life, what's so disgusting about the enemy is that he's going to craft idols to look so I mean, to look so camouflaged and cultured to us where Instagram can be an idol and he's going to get you with the whole idea of like, I don't have a golden calf. I don't struggle with idols. I mean, he, the enemy prides himself in the fact that you're getting so caught off guard by it. And so really what we have to do is start calling it for what it is and saying like, I unfortunately am worshiping social media or I am worshiping the friends that I'm making online, which can be beautiful, but I think I'm distorting it. And and so, yeah, just to be the girl maybe to lead that movement, this episode, who, for whoever's listening, our conversation hopefully can be a red flag or help raise some red flags in someone's life right, and, and call right. it for what it is and start calling problems sin instead of just problems. Exactly. And the thing is, we're a culture that's so obsessed with the idea of becoming, and that's a good thing. You know, like we want to better ourselves. We, self-help books have never sold as well as they are selling now. You know, we are a culture (laughs) that really wants to better ourselves. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with even a self-help book, if it's pointing to good routines and good rhythms and good, um, habits. Like those are not bad things. There are plenty of good strategy books written by non-believers even that can point us to the right direction for strategies and um, systems, right? Those are not bad things. But we were made for only one true becoming. The kind of becoming that we are called to is the kind of becoming that only Jesus can do and accomplish in us. And that becoming is sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming and being restored into his likeness and restored back to the purpose he created us for. And sin does mar that. Mm -hmm. Sin does make it impossible for us to arrive at that destination on our own. And so it, you know, the, the burden that I have in writing a book like this and you know, when you hold it in your hand, you'll see that it's fully beautiful and full of art. And the reason why I, as an artist, um, my goal in doing that is not to cause it to feel soft and fluffy and easily digestible, but really to show you that you don't have to separate beauty and truth. But the point in which I included this topic becoming in the title is not just beholding, it's becoming is because, you know, in Second Corinthians, 318, Paul tells us that because of the cross, because of Christ, there's no barrier between us and our Savior. There's there's no hindrance. The mm-hmm. veil is torn. And so for us, the more we behold him, the more he is causing us to be like him, that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another, that we are being made into his likeness. And so this whole obsession with us wanting to become someone. And wouldn't you say, Rachel, like half the time when we are on social media and when we are studying our Pinterest boards and we are collecting data and we are reading self-help book after self-help book, it's because we are trying to become someone. And with all that, I hope we all strategize and aim for those things. But in the midst of that, we have to recognize that the true becoming we are really longing for has to happen with better beholding. It has to be start with us casting our gaze and setting our mind's eye on who it is that we're supposed to be like in the first place. 
This is so good. <laughs> so beautiful. I could not have said it better, which is probably why you were the one that wrote the book. So I do want to talk about the book, though. So let's say someone wanted to get their hands on them. What is like, what was your design for someone reading it? I, I love it. I will say I'm going to add real quickly. I love how it's not set up like days because a lot of times I feel like books similar to this where they're beautiful and topical and they mix word with kind of like a devotion type content, it's set to a calendar almost. And so it makes me feel rushed. And I think what's so beautiful about your book is that it can be taken at your own pace and it can be on time every time. And, um, but I really am kind of curious, always talking to an author. I'm like, how was it that you wanted readers to read this? Sure. You know, I never actually set out to be a devotional writer. I actually struggle to read devotions myself. I'm not somebody who typically enjoys, I mean, I barely have enough time to really be in the word of God. And I so I struggle to read somebody else's words. And I typically yeah. don't love devotionals. And yet, because of the opportunities the Lord has given me to speak into um, others' lives through something like Instagram and through blogs, I I really discovered that um, that is a simple way for me to reach the heart of a brother or sister in Christ and to say, listen, as you're reading this, like this is how we can both think about this passage of scripture. And so if my little image on um, Instagram can encourage you to go to the word, then that would be the goal of the devotional thought. Mm -hmm. So in this book, the goal is never for any reader to stop here and to have this book be a substitution to going to the word. In fact, I would prefer for this book to be a springboard. It would be, um, it'd be a vehicle that adorns the gospel, that causes you to go, wait, I didn't see this nuance of the gospel. I didn't see this nuance of the character of God. I haven't been in this passage of scripture. I think I've had too small a view of God. Let me go back and to the word and discover how he's so much bigger than I gave him credit for. That's what I hope Beholding and Becoming does. And the way I try to accomplish that is by um, giving you 16 duets of pieces of writing, pieces um, to meditate on. Each pair is one way we can behold God in our everyday circumstance. And then the second is a becoming reading, a reading that helps us see that in this topic, God is transforming us. We are becoming um, more like him if we will set our gaze on him. And those 16 areas are in very ordinary things. And you will find that I deliberately chose topics that don't actually sound like things that we see other people live out all the time. It's not when you are um, leading a Bible study or the leader of a big organization or you've um, created a side hustle that makes you secondary income. Those are all great things that we see other people doing, but sometimes we don't gather around to talk about how hard it is to get a meal on the table day after day, or how hard it is when things are unfair, or how mm -hmm. hard it is when we feel like life is a waiting game and that family relationships are difficult. And those mundane things like cleaning out the fridge, doing the dishes, those are things that all of us do, but we kind of somehow forfeit the the experience of seeing that God transforms us in those places when we don't discover his faithfulness in the, all 24 hours of the day. And so um, the desire with Beholding Becoming is really to help 
um, the reader develop eyes and hearts and ears and hands that experience the art of everyday worship, which is the subtitle. And the goal is that you would walk away discovering that um, he is artfully pursuing you in your everyday life. And one of the ways I try to draw the reader into that is to lavish this book full of um, my hand-painted artwork and lettering. And I'm so, so that glad you said something. <laughs> so that, that there would be a sense of extravagance in this book. And I hope that the reader goes, wow, did she really paint all this? And I would say, yes, I actually did. It really took me almost two years to um, <laughs> truly create everything written and painted in this book. And it really is a labor of love. And it really did take as much work as it looks like it took. Um, but my desire <laughs> here was to have such extravagance visually that you might say, wow, when we're talking about a topic like failure, Failure is going to be accompanied by such such extravagant beauty so that there is an elevation of these very normal, ordinary struggles in our everyday lives. And that in that elevation, we would see that God doesn't call those lesser things. God doesn't call those places lesser places to meet him. He's not waiting for you to go sign up for this huge mission trip or, um, to head up this amazing organization or for you suddenly to have a hundred thousand followers and have a major platform before he can meet you and transform you right where you are. I want, I'm so glad you brought up the illustration part and the fact that yes, indeed, all of this artwork is your own. And I think that one, it's super special because I'm sure, I mean, I'm assuming this again, but as you were painting and as you were just, I mean, unleashing all of this beauty onto a piece of paper with a paint, you probably were thinking, oh, this would probably pair well with when I wrote fill in the blank. Or was it the opposite way around? Do you feel like you wrote content, made art to match, or that you made art and then kind of wrote what was on your heart as you were creating? I'm just so curious about that process. No, um, the art was specifically created all but maybe a few things that happened to match up and it was already in existence. Everything was painted with the content in mind. So the the writing is always at the core. Um, I would say this book exists for the content and the art just comes as an adornment, as comes as a way to serve it up mm-hmm. on a silver platter. Um, but the content is key. And so the writing was definitely the number one thing I cared um, about and wanted the reader to glean from it. And so all the art came alongside of it, which is why at the beginning of the book there, I also included a two page glossary. It's not because the things I painted were, um, necessarily descriptive and had a significance that you're supposed to, you know, you know, necessarily read into beyond what it is. It's just that I included a glossary to let you know what my thinking was. Why did I paint a hummingbird or why did I paint these things in part because I just love those elements and I wanted to create, create uh, beauty out of God's creation. But some of it was that those elements spoke to me about these themes and these topics. And so as those pieces of art came together with the content, it's to draw your attention to nuances of how, um, that element of creation that I'm painting kind of speaks to the very topic we're talking about. Right. And was on purpose. Yeah, exactly. I, um, as I was flipping through this, I realized too that 
I mean, so many of so many of the truths that you put in here that's paired with scripture, like you said earlier, I feel like brings such a bigger and clearer picture to how I've ever imagined the scripture to be. And so I think that this would make, I mean, like I said, it's sitting on my coffee table because I go to it and just kind of flip as I'm waiting for my husband to get home or, you know, waiting for the oven to preheat. But I also think that this would be beautiful for any kind of Bible study. Um, I think it, it can beautifully be used as a devotion. I'm just Absolutely. kind of speaking from like how I would gift it to friends. It, it also makes a great gift. <laughs> I really appreciate you bringing that up, Rachel, because, um, you know, I also created the guided journal, which is a beautiful four color um, companion guide with the book so that it's more than a coffee table book. You know, I hope that it sits on a coffee table that your guests and you and your family will sit and linger long. I hope it's that kind of book that you can read a chapter a day. But if you choose to use it as a devotional, if you choose it to use it as a Bible study, I have created a guided companion with deeper um, Bible study questions, deeper reflection questions, places to journal, places to really delve deeper into these topics so that you can do it with a group um, of friends. You can do it in a study group um, or you can use it for personal study as well. Amazing. I will be doing that. Okay. So I don't know if you knew this, but we are actually airing this conversation as our first episode of 2020 for good reason. But I really do think that at the beginning of a new year or even a new season, hopefully at the new week, whatever, we can see it as an opportunity for growth and intention and setting our minds on things above and starting afresh and leaving what was behind behind. I mean, all of those things that come with that. a new season, like a new year, even a I new decade. That. Hey, it's a whole new decade. We didn't discuss this ahead of time, but surprisingly, um, where our team is planning on having a book club for the book that begins January 1st. And so um, I love that this episode really points to the heart of why we both are on the same page, that this is a really good way to begin um, our beholding and becoming journey in seeing God transform us at the start of 2020. Yeah. What are the odds? I did not even know that. That was not disclosed. But I think that that was so providential. I'm pumped. I will be a part of that book club. I'm, I would love our listeners to join it too. So we'll put that information in the show notes in case people are interested in being a part of that. Um, but what would you say to someone who might be listening who is so thankful 2019 is over? Let's say it's been a really tough year and they are looking forward to 2020 knowing that sanctification and being refined is going to have something to do with this year because it just is something a part of of your walk with Jesus. But what would you say almost as an encouragement of this beholding and becoming process um, that they could maybe cling to today and for the rest of the year? I would just say that um, I, for one, relate to the feeling of, oh, can I please just get past this current circumstance? Can I please just get on the other side of this project, this remodel, this season with my kids that's hard, or this financial difficulty, whatever it is, um, I get it. And 2019 has, um, has had, you know, difficult spots for me as well. And so it's tempting to go into a new year and think, okay, this is the year that I'm going to eat right. I'm going to have my quiet times done right. I'm going to do all these things right. And therefore I'm going to behold God better. And then he can, therefore, because of my great efforts, cause me to become who I want to be. And my encouragement to all my sisters listening in on this right now would just be that 
we can bring nothing good to 2020 apart from the grace of God. And everything that we try to bring, even yeah. our our attempts at, can I please be this really um, disciplined, quiet timer? Can I be this disciplined, um, whatever it is, those things have to be brought before the Lord and say, Lord, I mm-hmm. in myself will easily turn this into my control, my trying to create good works. Lord, could you just empower me to desire you more than a change of circumstance. Meaning 2020, if you bring a whole slew of really great circumstances, praise God. God, thank you for circumstances that help me keep my eye Mm -hmm. on you. And thank you for making it possible for me to have a consistent quiet time and for things to be easing up with my kids or my spouse or whatever the situation is. But should he choose not to, if not, is he still good to you? You know, if not, if 2020 actually is even harder and there are harder things that come our way and there's unexpected loss and it starts off really difficult and you try to do your quiet times and suddenly you fall ill and, or your baby wakes up four times a night and you're exhausted. The only way for us not to give up on beholding and letting him Mm -hmm be the author of our becoming. The only way we can't, we don't give up on that is if we keep our eyes permanently fixed on him in every circumstance, even when we're suffering, even when we're in trials, even when things don't go our way. And so my desire, my hope is that as you make your way through the pages of this book, that you would see some support and encouragement for how to do that in every circumstance of your life. And so as 2020 comes, my encouragement to you is he wastes nothing. He didn't waste any of what happened in 2019, but even in 2020, as you step foot into each day, don't wait for that circumstance to change in order to behold him better. Don't wait for that circumstance to change to start seeing him transform your becoming. Know that he actually uses the very circumstances that look maybe not the way that you would expect or hope for, or the the waiting that seems a little too long, he will use that and he will meet you right in the midst of that, seeking your beholding right there. So good. I needed to hear that too. 2019 has been a very interesting year and I'm sure we'll be at the end of 2020 saying the same thing, honestly. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just so beautiful to hear like, gosh, don't waste this season because in five years, I'll look back and wish that, you know, I would maybe be able to relive a few moments in here that I took for granted. So I think that, yes, being still looking down at your feet and being like, I am becoming something, but I am like right now wanting to lean in this very moment and say, what is it? And who am I? Who, what is my identity in this moment? And what do I have to offer? Even if I'm lacking something that I will have later on. But what what is it right now that I do have to offer is important and I needed to hear that. So thank you. <laughs> so grateful. I do want to ask a fun question that's completely switching gears. Sure. Um, I want to know, what are you loving that you have to share with everybody that maybe they wouldn't have known about? Hmm. It can be a shameless plug. It can be one of your own things, but it can be something completely different. And it can also be several. But I'm just, I want to know. All right. All right. Well, let me, I, I will say um, I am 
I'll, I'll start with the shameless plug version. Okay. The shameless plug version is we are okay. um, at, at the time of this recording, we are in uh, fourth quarter of a, you know, I run a business. The holiday season is tough for our, our family or for anyone in mm-hmm. retail, because it's the time where you really hope that um, as a business that you finish out the year really strong. You want to offer everybody in the gift of buying season, really good options. And so as a business like Grace Laced, we, we're always fighting against that desire, that, that, that tendency to create things just to create things, just to have products. We're always fighting against that and saying, there has to be a purpose behind everything we create. And when we create them, they always start from um, things that I paint but when we create them, we always are um, seeking to make things that are um, coming out of themes that our team has been wrestling with. And so the thing that I am so proud of going into 2020 is our practicing praise um, three-in-one calendar. And we we do a calendar every year. And every year, the reason why we do it, the, the layout that we do it in is because you can repurpose it as 12 eight by 10 prints. So with that in mind, we're always like, will these 12 pages, these 12 months be beautiful as prints on their own? Can somebody feel proud of gifting March to somebody or gifting June to Mm -hmm. a friend for their birthday? And yes, so we want to make sure that every single page is literally a work of art and it's beautiful. But here's the thing. When I look at this calendar and when I think about where I've been in the last year, um, I've been I've been really focusing on this thing that we've been talking about, about beholding. Well, what is beholding ultimately? It's choosing what you're going to practice every day. You're going to either practice gazing at how to manipulate your life to turn out the way you want, or you can gaze at how he's praiseworthy. And so this idea of practicing praise means praise doesn't just happen easily. We're not always just ready to declare all the greatness, the things that are you know great about God and all the ways he's faithful. Um, it's easy when things go our way, but it's not easy in other seasons. And so, um, so that's our offering for 2020, where we long to bring everybody along and say, let's practice praise all through 2020, through the Psalms, as we look at ways in which we can declare that he is praiseworthy. Because the more we practice that, the more we're preaching to ourselves that he is praiseworthy. My circumstance doesn't define who I am. He defines who I am. And so he's worthy of praise. And the more I praise him, the more my life resembles um, all that's praiseworthy. And so um, so I am so proud yeah. of that. I am loving that currently. That's what you're going to hear me talk about so much. And um, I don't want praising to sound like a churchy word. I want it to be something where we can remind ourselves that we were made for praise and God's made himself praiseworthy through all of creation. And if this calendar, this little journey through 2020 can help each of us turn our eyes to how he is praiseworthy and then we could practice that every day. Um, I feel like I've done my job. So that's my shameless plug. That's um, the thing that I would say I'm most proud of, most excited about right now as a product, as something that I've given my time and our team has worked so hard on. So, so that's one product I'm super excited about. Um, less spiritual products, I will say is um, I'm currently, <laughs> um, again, I, I'm, 
let me remind everybody that I'm 44. I'm currently in a season where I'm investing in a few products more than a lot of little products. So I'm that girl now. And uh-huh. I seriously don't think that I was like this in my 20s. So all my 27-year-old listeners who really would rather spend under $20 for all wardrobe pieces, but then change them out a lot, I get you. I'm totally, I totally get you. I shopped at Forever 21 lots in a different season of my life. But I'm currently <laughs> obsessing with really nice blazers. I'm really investing in blazers really? that I love because I feel like, um, well, blazers are a little trendy right now anyway, but it's like, if I invest in a good blazer, that's something I can wear with anything. And I am like ready anything. at a moment's notice for dinner, for an interview, to get on stage. I can get off an airplane and go into an event, even with jeans on, if I've got a nice blazer. And so um, I recently picked up a plaid one from Madewell, um, but I also really love Banana Republic's blazer. So that's just a, I'm not getting paid to say that. I'm just simply saying um, (laughs) you can get a cute blazer from Zara as well, but um, there's just different kinds of blazers you can you can invest in a a more fashion friendly one or you can invest in one that has some wool content. So I'm just saying if this is like a big sister comment, I'm just saying there is this transition that happens and I I don't know if I'm saying this right for all your listeners, but I don't know anyone hopefully people are nodding their heads, but I think there's a point at which um every woman has to say gosh, am I investing a bunch of money in getting a lot of stuff that makes me feel good about what I'm wearing right now, or am I investing in a few things that I really love? And maybe it seems like a little bit more Mm -hmm. money up front, but I really love these pieces. And I'm not so into changing things up all the time anymore. And so for me, that's um, a few pairs of really good jeans and a few really good staple pieces. So you won't find me investing in, you know, a whole lot of leopard or hot pink, unless it's on sale. Like I, well, leopard's a little bit more like a staple or, but you know, I just don't invest in a lot of trendy things, um, but I love a good pair of jeans, you know? Yes, I'm with you, especially a good pair of Madewell jeans. But the blazer is exactly right. I mean, I have one blazer I got from H&M, and I wear it often. Like, you can wear it with a graphic tee. You can wear it with exactly. a dress. It can be in any season because it's like a jacket, basically. Yes. It's just a fancy jacket. <laughs> I I just love I've that learned tip. that I really love efficiency, Rachel. I really love um, getting maximum results with minimum effort or just as simp- simplified effort. And so, um, can Jesus. I throw in one more recommendation just for fun? Um, you know, I oh, don't like 100%. to spend. I don't like to spend a lot of time on my hair and I get a lot of comments because I'm, you know, an Instagrammer. I take video of myself talking to my audience and I get a lot of people weighing in saying things like things like your hair looks so on point today, or it's so amazing. And I just want to share publicly on this podcast that I really spend very little time on my (laughs) hair. I I just literally throw my, you know, um, head over, blow dry it upside down, but it's investing in one or two really good products to just make my life easier. And so mm-hmm. for me, that means that I don't want to go and like try out every product on the market. And I'm not a spokesperson for this product either. I'm just, and you can buy it in different brands. I'm not saying it has to be this brand, but I'm currently using um, a brand called Orbe. It's spelled O-R-I-B-E. And my, my, my yes. stylist turned me on to it. I'm not saying that everybody has to go get this brand, but I do love the results of their um, flexible wax spray. I forgot if it's called that exactly, but it's a wax spray. So what I found is that if I can just invest in a few things that don't make 
build up the next day. Like I can actually sleep on this hair for two or three days and feel like my bed head actually is doable. I can like change it up and refresh it in the morning. Then you feel like you get more wear and it goes longer. And that expensive hair product isn't something you wash out every other day. You can actually feel like it's working for you. So that's the main reason why I'm sharing a few of these things is that I'm all, even down to my calendar, I'm, I'm really about any product um, working for you for the long haul, like having multiple uses, kind of going the distance and not being like, hey, this satisfied what my needs were for one day. No, like I really want that product to make my life easier and to give me maximum mm-hmm. results for minimum effort. So <laughs> I am about that too. I always tell Instagram people, I'm like, listen, I'm not here because I think you need something else in your life. I'm here hopefully to like show you some shortcuts for things that truly don't matter in the grand scheme of things eternally, but hopefully you can save some time to then focus on things that do eternally matter, (laughs) like relationships, if you can have a great hair day, you know? So I'm with you. I'm taking that tip. The finishing wax spray by Oribe. I need to go snack that so badly. Um, I am just so grateful for a conversation and all of the truth nuggets that you brought, I just, I'm like, I should probably re-listen to this myself and have a journal, just writing some things down. So thank you for just being refreshing. Yeah. And starting 2020 out with Behind the Bliss Strong. We're grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody is running to their nearest bookstore to grab Beholding and Becoming, The Art of Everyday Worship by Ruth herself. I'm sure of it. I really wish podcasts were video and not just audio so that I could at least show you a picture of how beautiful this book is. It's beautiful. It's intentional. It is thought provoking. And I think it would make an amazing Bible study resource. Like she said, she is now hosting a book club. If you wanted to walk through this book with the guided companion, you now can. To get more information on that and a lot of other things that we talked about in today's episode, you can head over to our show notes at behindtheblisspodcast.com. If you ever have any questions about the show or just want to reach out, you know you can. Feel free to email us at hello at behindtheblisspodcast.com. Use our contact form on our website or just hop on over to Instagram and send us a quick direct message. Hey, we are so stoked to have so many of you leave us the kindest reviews on Apple Podcasts. This is where we get filled up, we find encouragement, but also we can see what you're loving. So if you have yet to leave a review, maybe you're new around here and you're wondering how you can help out, hey, here is a quick way. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a quick review. We would be so, so grateful. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.